Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. We had another solo cast sister catch-up session. In this podcast, we are continuing with our exploration of what surrender and creating our own reality means for us. And if you guys have been following this conversation and this journey in recent podcast sessions, you'll see that each week we come in with a different flavor of understanding into this conversation. And why having patience with the mental health practices that we have picked up along the way with all the tools that are in our toolbox is really important and continuing to return to these practices even when we're doing okay, so that we can continue rising and we can go from stepping out of survival mode and rise beyond that even more to stepping into a state of love. And so this is what we get into a little deeper with a new flavor this week. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. and tune in. Before we jump into the episode, we want to highlight our sponsor, Conscious Conversion, recently known as Resonate with Sarah. Conscious Conversion is a holistic multimedia marketing agency for thought leaders of the new paradigm. We love them because their main mode of operating, which also filters out the clients they bring on, is making sure that the message is in alignment with your mission in the world and that your mission in this world is in alignment with where the plan is heading right now, that your mission is here to help awaken the planet and move evolution forward. Whatever your offering is, they use Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram ads to cut through the clutter of the internet and amplify your message on a massive scale. They also offer organic social media, copywriting, and so much more. We'll link their website in the show notes if you guys are interested in more information. We highly suggest you check them out if your ears perk up when you hear this. And now back to our episode. It is May 6, 2021. We open ourselves up. We open our hearts up, our vessels up for all the messages that want to come through. We call in guidance from our angels, our ancestors, our spirit guides. We call in our higher selves and open ourselves up for whatever messages are going to bring the highest healing to ourselves, our community, and everyone that they come in contact with. We open the space up for authentic, loving, filling, healing, blooming conversations. The portal is now open. We are open. We What's up, here. Paula? 
Callie wants to say hi. You guys Callie can't see, but really titties are cat ladies. They're <laughs> all really over is. me. I'm a, a million thousand percent. She makes we, we were FaceTiming the other day and she made me FaceTime with her cats. Just I just stared at them for five straight minutes <laughs> while you talked to me about regular things. <laughs> you are cat mom. I figure that's a better view a lot of times than my old face that you're already used to. Having a serious conversation while staring at her two cats. While looking at some cuteness. They're so cute. I had to go drop something off today to, to a friend and I took Kai um, on his little leash with me and we went for a car ride and he was so good. They're good about they're good about wearing the harness now. Oh good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big wins for Paula and her tigers. <laughs> and the allergies are getting better. Update fam. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank God I didn't give them away. My God. Yeah. The air filter and then Allegra turned wow. out like, yeah. And then just vacuuming on a regular basis. And probably my body's getting used to their specific type of dander now. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. I had this like, as I was editing the podcast, listening to everything again, I had this like dooming feeling of like, oh no, I know where this is going. Paula's about to give her cats to my parents. Oh, <laughs> I was like, if she can't keep them and she keeps them before she can't like for a few years or something. And then you realize you can't have them. I was like, is she going to give them to my parents? Because that's like the no. story of her family. My poor parents have a zoo in their house of all the animals <laughs> that everyone buys out of love and then leaves. Mainly that's you. <laughs> no. It's you. I'm, no, 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 no. That's not me at all. Bella. That's that's the story y'all love to tell. Okay, let me tell you about Lenny. All right. Bella my mom, and Lenny. <laughs> my mom wanted a she actually, you know what? I'll give you Lenny. I'll give you Lenny. Right? <laughs> we went to Pet Smart to go buy dog food. And I bought a cat and took him home. But they fell in love with him. And then I had Bella who came to live with me at the house when I moved back home for a little bit. And my mom told me I wasn't allowed to take her away because she had formed a family with them. So I couldn't. That one was not so, an option for me. So it sounds like the only one that's passed animals onto the parents has been you. <laughs> yeah, that's really Actually. true. That's really <laughs> true. Could this be a projection? <laughs> no, because I know that you would leave Leah with them all the time when you would go on vacation. So why not leave Kai and Callie on a permanent vacation? That's a little different. That's a little different. I don't know. I'm just happy that that's not what's going to happen because I yeah. feel kind of bad that their house is literally turning into a zoo. Well, yeah. I mean, but I've never given them an animal. So I've given them love. Okay. You've I've given, given them love. <laughs> why don't I've you just admit why don't you just admit you're the one that is passed on the animals? Bella, my mom made me leave Bella. <laughs> okay, we're not <laughs> going to agree. <laughs> this is a truce. Would you have left her anyways, though? Hell, would I have just up and left Bella? No way. My mom was like, she's got a backyard. She's got friends. She's got like her brothers and her sisters here. And she started following my mom everywhere and stopped following me around everywhere. And so I was Aww. like, I literally can't just take her from you if you guys have formed this new bond yeah well the the evolution of my parents who has we we found a cat named missy <laughs> exactly. under 
Except, uh-huh. okay, I have given them so many animals because side story about me, you guys, is growing up, my nickname was Snow White because I have a wild relationship with animals. Like they would show up at my doorstep all the time. They would, I remember one day it was pitch black outside. And for some reason I wanted to, I, I like opened the back door and walked to a specific spot in our backyard. And there were three baby birds who had just fallen out of their nest and it was pitch black. I had no idea why I was walking. There was just an urge. Then I brought them in and then my dad and my mom had to save them with me. I've, you know, picked up dogs off highways. I've picked up boxes of litters of baby cats. I've picked up so many animals that just come to me that my obviously living with my parents and they had to help me take care of them. But when I moved to Atlanta on the West side, there were so many stray dogs that I started getting really stressed out because I know like taking, taking in a stray animal is really stressful because emotionally you're tied to wanting to see them live. And you just like, it's a lot, it's a lot. So when I was in Atlanta, I told myself, or I literally looked at the sky one day and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Stop sending them to me. I'm not going to take care of them. I mean, and my first sign to the universe that I was no longer going to take in stray animals, it was really sad, was seeing a little stray dog and driving right by him. And I felt so cold and heartless, but I was like, I got to do it, dude. This is this level of responsibility is like just too much. My mom is definitely going to call you after this podcast and ask you about that stray dog. By the way, guys, when we say my mom, it means both of our moms. It's like it's a Spanish translation thing that you take an ownership pronoun over your parents. I don't know why we do that, but it's a thing. (laughs) I'm (laughs) laughing because, oh, (laughs) do you were you living with us when I found boss? I named him boss. This big. Yes. The one that ended up in New York. (laughs) No, no, no. that That was Buddha. That was Buddha. Oh, my God. Boss is the one that traumatized <laughs> Missy. <laughs> Yo, okay. So I found this, I don't know what kind of dog, but it was this like enormous dog, huge, huge dog. So I brought him in and then he, he literally was so wild and he traumatized our cat forever. That's not, that's not to laugh about, but I, he literally like barked at her so loud that she climbed up this like, to me, it was like a 60 foot tree. And stayed up there for a whole day. And then she her personality changed completely after that. But I'm laughing because she was already boss, she was on her way. She was on her way to like she was she was about to be done with everybody's BS. She was she was getting there. And then boss came in and that was definitely the tipping point. She became boss, a feral cat after that. <laughs> and boss was like tried chasing her all the time that my dad then <laughs> God bless my dad. When I wake up every morning and tie Boss around his waist, and he would like take Boss to the bathroom with him, take Boss to eat breakfast. He would take Boss all over the house with him, tied around his waist for the belt because Boss was consistently trying to like do shit to Missy, our cat. And I would, my dad drove around all of our neighborhood with signs that had like a lost dog sign. I remember I was driving around the neighborhood and he literally must have put like a million signs up. Like there were literally like a thousand signs. There was one on every tree, on every corner. He was so done. But but because of me and my mom, who have this like obsession with saving animals, we wouldn't let him give boss to anyone else. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've never 
there's been no extra animals because of me. And uh, but then when I get my animals, everyone's like, oh, my God, is she going to leave them, too? But no, none of the animals have been my addition. They stay with me. I came close to le- taking these two for adoption. But I wouldn't give them to my parents because they already have enough enough animals going on. That's there's a limit here. They have a zoo. So this week, here are some updates. I was in for some I've been wanting to paint my nails green for a while now. Green has just been coming into my sphere. And then the other day I was meditating and this huge bright green light just came into my vision as I was meditating. And so I knew like the color green was just sending me messages. And then I was on a walk the other day. And then, you know, like feathers are my thing, right? Yeah. For everyone who doesn't know, feathers are how the universe speaks to me. I find feathers left and right, like owl feathers, hawk feathers, everything. That's wild. Are you collecting all? (gasps) You found a green feather? Yeah. (laughs) Who finds a green feather? Hold on. Let me show you the other one. Hold on. You found two green feathers? Yeah. (laughs) Guys, this is in real time. Shocking. (laughs) Appallment. I don't even know what my emotion is. Yeah. I think I have found like two feathers in my life and they've probably both been white that is insane yeah you need no, to post I have pictures cardinal, of that on have, on ig next week so people can see what you're talking about i will but i have cardinal feathers i have blue jay feathers i have everything feathers are my thing wow so that oh and now my nails are green i know that's okay. awesome those are my updates. What is it? What is the color green symbolizing? Oh, to you? okay. And then I looked up what the color green was, and the green is the color of the heart chakra. So yeah. to me, I'm like, that's completely aligned because I feel like my heart opens up. I mean, with every passing second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Sometimes I sit there and I think, like, I'd love. I want to see if anyone else feels like they're going to explode out of their body with love. And I was thinking about this, like, why does this happen to me on a frequent basis where I just feel so much love, so much love for life, where I just almost start thinking like, like, oh my God, there's just so, I just want to live. I want to keep living this life. I want to keep living this life, which is great because I am, this may have come from being so hyper aware of death for a while where like I, to me life is not just going to go on forever. Like I am aware that, you know, this moment right here is this, is as beautiful as it's going to get. This very moment is as beautiful as it's going to get. And I often think about this a lot, actually. Yeah. And I want to like explode out of my body into the (laughs) stratosphere. (laughs) I have to ground myself. Dude, I was I I was hanging out with Alexander. Alexander, I love Alexander. Previous oh, guest him. on our podcast, he's amazing. We did the money episode, the energetics of money episode with him. He came and stayed with me this past weekend. It By was the so way, funny. I was, I was on the phone with Alexander when I found the green feather. No way. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, but he he does a really great job of loving on life too. It's it's kind of inspiring to watch how he moves. He for example, like he got booted in the front of my of my apartment complex uh, because we left his car there for an hour longer than we were supposed to, which we didn't real I didn't realize. And then we went and it was booted. And most people would get irritated about that, right? When you're on this path of surrendering and flowing, it, that's kind of like those moments are the real are the real tests is when things like that happen. And he instead of getting super frustrated, 
he called the person uh, that with the boot, the person that booted, he called the number and then the person happened to be right there. And then he, he was so excited. He was like, Oh my God, I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest person. He is right here. How lucky am I? <laughs> and then by the end of the interaction with the dude, the dude was like, God bless <laughs> to Alexander. <laughs> and he was like, wow, how lucky are we? that he was right there. You know, I'm like, I love that. I love that you're looking for things to love on in life rather than what's wrong. And the thing is that when we do that, then we kind of, that's when we really surf the waves of challenges that come through because, you know, maybe something that could have been an obstacle comes, comes by, but you just kind of surf it and look for the coolness or the lesson in it or, or, you know, what the benefit of that situation might've been. So it doesn't bring you down into your next experience. Yes, exactly. And that's so much of when I talk about creating your own reality, like that is such a big part right there. Yeah. That your relationship to everything that happens and being able to to find the love where you can. And the more you find that love, the more you're going to attract that love, the more that becomes your life, the more you are literally just completely dissolved into that love. And before you know it, you're living in this loving, magical, beautiful universe where it's like everything is a miracle. Everything is love. Everything is is here to take me on my path. So that's the cool thing. Well, you know, it's coming up for me as we talk is that the brain, the human brain is, is an operating machine. And for so many years of evolution, it developed a negativity bias for survival purposes. And this is something I talk about with clients all the time. And, you know, because for the most of human history as hunter gatherers, it was more beneficial for us to be aware of the tiger that was over to the right rather than the flowers that were going to the left. That's what you know, helped us survive a lot of really harsh conditions. And so the brain is kind, it's an operating machine and it really responds to the software that you instill in it. And when it's had the same software generation after generation, it gets really, really solidified in those patterns. And so even though we don't necessarily live a lot, most of us, we could say, there's a lot of people that do, but most of us here in, in the Western civilization, most of the people probably listening to this podcast, aren't living in really harsh conditions at all times where they need to be hyper aware of all threats. But yet, because the software has been, and the hardware has been kind of wired to look for that, that's just what we look for. And that's what helps us be more certain. When you embark on these practices of looking for what's right and surrendering rather than resisting, you're little by little, you're shifting your brain to do something that it wasn't used to doing before. But there's something called neuroplasticity where our brain is continuously evolving. It's not a death sentence. The or you know, the the brain that we we're born with doesn't necessarily have to be the brain that we end up with if we decide to consistently practice something different. So from that angle, I could see how, you know, if we practice loving on life and if we practice really looking for what is right in every situation, those neurons in those pathways in our brain get formed to the point that we don't even have to try to do that anymore, but it becomes second nature. And so regardless of what's going on out there, what somebody else's opinion of life might be, because our brain is looking for that and getting to the point where it's mainly only seeing that, then yeah, we are creating our own reality. Yeah. And 100% it's about making that into a habit until it becomes your main mode of living. So I started listening to Joe Dispenza 
and he I'm thinking started, of Joe a little bit as I was talking because he's totally on that train. That oh my god, I literally I started listening to him after our last conversation, and I was like, oh, I want to channel his brain for the vocabulary words that he has because for me, it's a feeling that I it's it, the knowledge has come to me through a feeling. So to put this in words is not that easy for me, and it gets a little mm-hmm. frustrating sometimes when I want to translate it. But he talked, listening to him has been game changing. So, I mean, I think all of y'all, every single last human and specimen in this universe needs to listen to Joe Dispenza. By the way, just take a moment really quick to imagine us interviewing Dr. Joe Dispenza. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And (laughs) everybody manifested that with us. They did. Thank you. Thank you. The power of groups. So he talks about how you can't you can't create a new reality with the old brain so if it's hard for you while you're listening to this stuff being like yeah it's not that easy just know it's because you're thinking with the brain that you've always thought as i was talking about that just now something clicked for me because i think what i've been looking for and it's weird because i've heard joe dispenza a million times i've heard a lot of these concepts a bunch of times But sometimes until you put things into your own words, it doesn't fully click. As I was talking about it just now, I was like, oh, okay. My my type of intellect, I need some I need to find some kind of science to connect to the belief. And without that, it feels like something is missing. Yeah, I can feel it. But I love being able to like make sense of it intellectually at the same time on some level. So I'm like, oh, okay. well. If I practice looking for what's good, actually, my brain is going to change because we know that, I mean, the brain, for better or worse, we are human beings. We're not just spirits and we're not, you know, the brain is hugely influential on the experience that we're having. So we can shift our brain and train our brain. It can serve the purpose of our spirit. And so if we're constantly looking for something that's good, if we're constantly looking for the good for what's right, for the flow, we're training our brain to do that. And then, yeah, you're going to create your own reality. It's kind of, it's the ideal scenario of pairing up spirit and matter for the same purpose. Exactly. And the more you do it, the more you're going to form that new brain. And then all of this stuff is going to make sense. But to me, it really, when I heard him say that, you know, you can't create your new reality from your old brain, I'm like, I love that because there's so many people who, I mean, just even like you were playing devil's advocate on our last podcast where I was talking and you're like, yeah, but yeah, but I'm like, how do I get this across? But it makes sense. It's like, well, it's totally okay for people not to understand it. It's okay for you to not understand it with the current brain. You know, if you've always lived your life in a bit of a controlling fight or flight mode, just know that like, if you are wanting a new reality, that's completely possible. And if it doesn't really make sense on how to get there, know that it's completely normal for it to not make sense yet because you're still working with the old brain. It's slowly, slowly, slowly until you completely mold your brain into one that's conducive to seeing the love and the abundance everywhere. Well, I was thinking back to the conversation that we had with Sister Cody, where we were saying that even if it doesn't feel like it's working, to just continue taking those little practices every single day. And yeah, you're gonna feel different. There's no way that if you're on a, you know, consistent basis, to some extent, obviously not being perfectionist about it, but meditating, moving your body, drinking water, getting sun, dancing, listening to music, 
engaging in whatever practice it is that you know makes you feel a little better, there's no way you're not going to feel better. And the thing is, it might feel like you're walking uphill for quite some time, but then there's a mo- there's always tipping points. There's tipping points where all your efforts come together and suddenly it's like, ooh, I just got on the track. I just got on the track and now, I'm d- now I'll have to do it surf this wave. Yes, completely. When I think about my own journey, for example, when rising out of the depression to where I am now, when I think about the time that I was in depression, there was a time where I didn't, you know, yes, I always had the one seed of like, God, this has to get better. I literally don't know how it's going to, but it just has to get better. And that's how it started, right? And also being surrounded by complete darkness not thinking that eating vegetables or anything would help me. And then it was the next phase of taking greater care of my body and just knowing that I was taking greater care of my body and one day it would feel better. But it's not like you were seeing the immediate um, the immediate Results. return on your on, on your investment, you know? And it's the next step after that. Then also like working out, taking care of my body, just showing my body that it was alive and also having boundaries and not inviting certain people into my life and, you know, parting ways with certain people and just cultivating my the energy around me. And it's still like I was doing all those active things, but it still felt like I had to explain myself. It still felt like yeah, I, I believed it, but it, I, I didn't, I wasn't fully entirely there yet. And I had to kind of explain left and right about like why I was doing certain things or why not, because it still felt like I was in somewhat of a, a fight with life. And then to where I am now, where it's like, I'm just am, I'm existing, I'm existing and gliding like a bird right now with the energy that I've cultivated and all these things that I've cultivated, I'm just here now. And there's no, there's no need to explain why I do what I do. I just, I just do what I do and I'm here and I'm living in it. I am. I want you to get that astrology chart for geography whatever that, I forget what that's called. Astrocartography, so, I yeah, think. Yeah, I always forget what that's called to see what where California lays on there for you. Because as soon as you move there, it feels like a lot of pieces just fine. Like it was like all these pieces were like getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. And as soon as you got there, they all kind of fit together. So crazy. I literally had this vision the other day of like me on a play. Do y'all fantasy and daydream as much as I do? I swear to God, I live in like, like, do you daydream? And go into like full on beginning, middle, and end. No, not that much. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. No. So in this particular daydream, I was hopping on a plane to California. I would, but I was envisioning myself like right when I crossed the time zone on the plane. It was like all of these constellations and everything just, and then like my DNA and everything just. And then it was like this opening of like, and now she's in her next phase in life. Because I I mean, it's really real. Something happened when I crossed those lines. Something, yeah. But it was also the intention that I, I came in here with. I moved. The, the day before I came, I met with a friend at a cafe. And I don't even think it was the day before. It was a few hours before my plane ride. And I was telling them that I was like, I don't you know, I don't know, or maybe it was my intuition that felt this, but like, I don't know what this trip is going to hold for me, but something tells me it's going to be really, really big. And I set the intention for this trip to be a yes trip. This was just going to be a yes trip. Because for me, I had a lot of anxiety coming here because I, you know, with my sleeping problems and I don't really like spending that much time with people for long periods of time. I need a lot of alone time. And also like what was going to come up that I wasn't able, that I wasn't going to be able to handle. And 
you know, just all these things. And I was about to leave my home for more than a week. And like, what if I wanted to come back home to my comforts, but I was stuck in a new, just like all of these thoughts. Right. And historically you were historically up until this point, you were the most homesick person ever. Oh my gosh. The most, I hated being away (laughs) from my mom more than like two days. Like I would go visit them all the time. This is going to make her sad. I love you, mom. I'm still going to visit you. You can come here. But I just, yeah, for me, it was like I had this enmeshment in with my family with that I, I couldn't leave them. I felt like I just, I had this responsibility. I couldn't leave them. So that was, that was always weighing heavy in my heart. And I don't think it was like, it was a love that was healthy, but in a way it was a little bit unhealthy because it wasn't allowing me to fly because I felt like I had like a responsibility to who knows what, you know? And I think that's pretty common in families. You you find yourself enmeshed before even knowing what's happening. But but yeah, so in order to just help myself with all those anxieties, I finally was like, you know what? Like I, I reached this level of like, I almost see it on like a, you know, those little thermometer things. It's like right when I'm getting to the top, it's like before I reach the very top, I'm like, I'm just going to drop all fucks for like, that's literally the only way I know how to put it because this is just too, it's getting too hot up here. So I just allow it to like come back down. And the way that I allowed myself to cool down was just, I was like, this is just going to be a yes trip. That's just it. That's just what we're going to do here because everything is so unpredictable and I'm coming up with all of these stories in my head. I'm just going to say yes. Yes to literally every single thing that comes my way. And that's the energy I went into, which yes, when you just like feel that in your body, yes, is such an expansive energy. Yes is like, yes like bring it in open airy light thin high possibilities yes and when i got here i mean the first thing that happened was my luggage got stolen <laughs> that was literally the first thing and i had my whole closet in there basically but for me it was like i had already set that intention that i could not care less i was like well cool like we'll go thrifting uh, la's got great thrift places we'll figure it out and then it was just that after that, like it was like moment after moment, situation after situation. It was just one big yes to everything. And it started opening up different possibilities and opportunities and portals and different just ways of thinking while I was here. And before I knew it, I was just gliding on this very aligned energy. You know, your intention is such a powerful thing. And it wasn't like your intention was, I'm just going to be I'm going to be really positive. If you had done that, then maybe you would have actually felt resistance because, you know, in that moment of of your luggage getting stolen, feeling the pressure to be positive could have weighed on you. But instead, you were just like, no, my intention is to say yes to whatever life is bringing my way without putting judgments on it, essentially, right? Yeah. It, It sounds like the feeling I get around it is like, you know, we've talked about psychedelic trips on here and how important intention is. It's you are taking a physical trip. And from the very beginning, before you even got going, you set the intention and then you basically conditioned your mind around that intention day after day after day. And then you probably created some like neuro, I mean, definitely some neuroplasticity situation took place where your brain actually started responding and changing and you were in a new environment. So like that whole thing, it just kind of opened up a space for you to create that shift with the people that, you know, I mean, you know, some people there, but also an opportunity to recreate your identity with people that didn't know you. 
it was a moment to come back to who I really was without being and not even maybe recreate my my identity, but not being my identity, shedding my identity and just being this wildflower who was adventuring around California with no no titles to me, nothing attached to me, no labels, no nothing. Just I was, you know, free to just have fun and s- literally say yes to everything that presented itself to me. So everything that presented itself to me because I was in that yes mentality was just going to be an adventure. It's like, all right, let's see what this entails. Let's see what this holds. Let's see what not having a luggage for however long entails. Let's see what whatever entails. It is just let's let's just see. Let's play with what comes. And I have that has become my permanent mode. I mean, that has not shed at, at all with anything. And I was on the call, I was having a conversation with my dad like two nights ago. And he was saying, he was like, you sound permanently high. <laughs> I could see my dad saying like, that. You sound like you're like, and I was like, I am though, dad. Like not literally, right? I don't smoke, which, you know, shade to that. It's completely fine. And it's legal here in, in California, which I love, you know, no stigmas with that. But I am like, I am permanently high. Like I'm floating all the time because I, I am unwavering with my commitment in seeing the love and yes of things. You, you can't really calm down when, when you're there. And even when things happen that are, that throw you off, it's just not the same. It's not if the same. If you're looking, I mean, yeah, if you're looking for a way to say yes and you're looking for a way to flow with it and you're looking for a way to love on it, you're changing your brain. Your life experience is going to change the way the way you enter. I mean, I'm sure that guy that booted Alexander's car was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, you know, how many positive interactions does he get to have every single day? And the fact that that was the last interaction he had with somebody like being so happy and loving on him after he booted his car probably shifted his energy a little bit. And then he went and rippled that out into his environment, possibly. And then, you know, that's it does. create. We do start shifting the world and, and the world changes, even if it's micro. All of that adds up to create new realities. And you know what this has done for me, too? It's opened up a different purpose. I have completely landed in my purpose, which is outside of just me, right? It's I see this world as as a flower, essentially, and each one of us are the cells within that flower. And the goal or the the mission here is to keep that flower blooming and to keep that flower alive. So it's by feeding each one of those cells and by allowing those cells to cooperate. And I see fully what my purpose now is it goes way beyond the me identity. It's like the second anyone, how I see it, starts thinking that this life, like the goal is like the me, 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 that's when you get thrown off. That's when totally. That's when it's like, that's when things can start feeling shitty. But when you have this purpose of, for me, I have completely devoted myself to the rising of the universe, to the rising of, of the universe. And to do that, being in that love high frequency is how that keeps going because you also then see how everything around you rises when you maintain that energy. Totally. And this actually, you know, I want to kind of translate some of this over to the mental health work that a lot of, you know, our community members, I'm sure are engaged in people that are tuning into this podcast, people that I work with. Uh, when you are on this mental health path, which is often 
very parallel to what a spiritual path looks like. There is a lot of practices that, as we were saying in the very beginning, there's a lot of practices that we can get involved in to add fuel to the fire of this path. You know, so it could be the the healthy eating, the movement, the the mindset work, all of that stuff. And there's there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of tools. If you get involved in this community, in the mental health world, in the self-improvement world, there is so many tools. There's no shortage of tools. And we can get almost addicted to how many tools there are. So it's like it's a double, it's a dance that we're doing here between putting all those steps into action and taking, you know, doing all the mental health work, but also learning to let go. And this is something that I've encountered in in my work is it can almost get overwhelming. And it's actually something I used to do. I remember I looked back at some old journals and I'm like, okay, like if I wake up at 5am and then I meditate and then I eat like this and then I do that. No, 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 no. Like that's what's finally going to lead me to feeling okay. I will reach enlightenment. (laughs) And then we hold on so rigidly to those structures or those ideas that it counteracts itself because in the process we're stressing ourselves out and that's not that's not the goal right like sometimes we see this picture of what the perfect mental health situation looks like or the perfect self-care situation looks like and we try to model our lives after it and sometimes it just doesn't make sense for the, the life that we're living it doesn't make sense for our schedules it doesn't make sense for what our resources are it doesn't make sense to try to fit our life to these narratives of the ideal mental health situation is right like okay you're waking up every morning and you're setting your intentions and you're taking that time and like if you have the time and the space to do that great it's super fun it's awesome that's not a lot of people's realities so then you know what I, what can end up happening is in trying so hard to make that situation fit, a lot of people end up resisting their actual current experience. Is that making sense? Yeah, I think that for me, it's such how I see being able to optimize your own mental health is really holding the balance between the two of having the structure and then being really, really flowy with it and really being tuned into your body and seeing what feels good and what doesn't and inviting more joy into your body. And sometimes what's going to bring you more joy that day is to sleep in. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And sometimes not actually taking, trying to make time for that extra quote unquote mental health work. But yeah, just resting is actually what you need. Or sometimes like your life is so busy, realistically so busy that you don't have the space for that yet. And hopefully by doing the mental health work, you end up getting to a point where there's more space in your life where situations are opening up for you. But in the meantime, the best thing we can all do to get there is to say yes to what our current reality is. If we don't say yes to what our current reality is, maybe the busyness of it, the hecticness of it, whatever it is, if we don't find a way to make peace with that, we're not going to be able to be present enough for it to make a change or to shift. So like I remember when, for example, I was serving tables, you know, doing grad school, doing an internship, or even before that, when all I was doing was serving tables or bartending, and that's a really hectic world. And there's many reasons that people find in the service industry, just like in any industry to be unhappy, 
because you're dealing with so many people and there's so much pressure and people take a lot of their frustrations out on you when you're serving them. And there's just not a lot of space or time. Like sometimes you're working till 12, one in the morning and you know, it's, it can be pretty hectic. And the only thing that got me through that, those phases of my life that were super kind of like condensed and intense and really busy was, for example, listening or reading the Tao Te Ching all day long. So it wasn't so much about having the perfect situation to practice my mental health work. It was more so how can I surrender and find the best in what is happening right now? Hey, surrender. There you go. So you know what I mean <laughs> with surrender. You know yeah. what I mean. You know, last week you were understanding my surrender to be not taking, not doing Action. any work. You know not what I've noticed? Action. You know what I realized actually after spending this weekend with Alexander and probably the conversations you and I have been having is that a lot of, the, I'm returning back to some of my original practices now, like with the Tao Te Ching and the flow and all that, because I needed that stuff as a lifeline to make it through my 20s, to make it through the challenges of, of being poor and being in poverty, you know, through through undergrad. I needed surrender. I needed like the the Tao, the the wisdom of the Tao, which is all about let go, trust, just show up, drop the labels. I mean, the labels of good and bad. Work with what's in front of you. You can't see the bigger picture. You can only see the situation based on your current perspective, but there's probably something much greater that you don't even have access to. So just show up and work with it and life will unfold little by little. And I needed to believe that. I needed to work with that because if I didn't, I would have just not been able to make it through the intensity of that time. But now that that kind of phase for now has passed, I realized I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't as intensely in my face every single day that I needed to be conscious of those practices. So now I, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times we turn to these practices when we need them. And then when things get better, it can be easy to forget those original practices that got us here in the first place. And so now that I'm actually in a pretty good place, I'm like, oh, okay, let me actually go back to these practices. Cause now if I can re-invoke them now that I'm at a higher level personally. Cool. Now even greater magic can happen. Higher level, elaborate. Higher level, meaning I'm not financially, I'm not wondering how I'm going to pay my bills. I have more control over my schedule. I have more spaces of peace. You're um, with more stability. Now you yeah, can go back exactly. to them. Exactly. Yeah. Before it was like I needed them in order to like not to somehow hang on to like, you know, I get this this picture of like climbing up this mountain and, and the pieces of the rock are falling off. So I need to stay totally freaking present so that I can make it up that mountain. And, you know, it's kind of like dodging little boulders that are coming my way. But now, now I, but I needed to be so present for that, right? I'm not saying I made it to the top of the mountain because I have a whole life to live ahead of me with all kinds of challenges, but there's not a million boulders falling around me anymore. Uh, So the urgency to hold that state of presence isn't as present for me (laughs) anymore. That was a lifeline. It was a survival instinct was I need to be so present. I need to be so surrendered. If I'm not, I will drown in this reality, in this world, right? But now. There's I'm not drowning by any means and it can be easy to forget. Then you get to 
you get to these places of stability, you get to these places of, of comfort. And if you don't remember to continue the practices, the brain can go back to the, the brain chances are will go back to those old habits of looking for what's wrong or looking for what more it can achieve. You know, what's interesting for me, my, I, ha I hold the intention of surrender and trust at the top of my mind. It's my North star from when I wake up to in my dreams and back again. And I'm in a place in my life where I'm good and I'm stable, but I hold those, those intentions in my mind because I don't ever want to go back to sleep, quote unquote. They have woken me up to this life in a way that I am fully experiencing the the love. I am one with the awareness of the love, right? And you talked about like making it to the top of the mountain where it's almost like, I feel like once you, once you, at least for me, it's like, I don't even, I don't know. It's almost like the whole, the time situation collapses entirely. Like this is not a linear a linear journey. It's like you're either in love, in love, like not in love, but like in love, aligned with love, or you're not. And that's it. And that's literally it. And and when I am in love, I am the most awake to everything, to everything. I'm the most present. I am the most loving to the people around me. I am the most loving to the to the evolution of the universe. I am an offering a complete offering to this universe. Well, you know what I, how I would, the other layer that I would add to that beyond just either being in love or not, is that you can be in survival mode or not. And a lot of times, I mean, it can be easy to settle for just not being in survival mode when you've been in survival mode your whole life as just a, just coming out of the human biological system. I, I was personally in survival mode for so long that now I'm not, you know, but probably a lot of those habits, the presence and all that stuff, the, the meditation, all that got me past survival mode. It got me out of those states of, of really intense anxiety. But, you know, just as, if we feel safe, that can be enough for a lot of us, for a lot of people like that can just be enough. Love is the next step. But the thing is that then we get into this comfort and it's like, I'm comfortable, but then the mind's going to go back to the old habits. And that's a lot of the work I do around anxiety is, you know, recognizing that although we are the most probably comfortable civilization that there has been, people are more stressed out and anxious than ever. And because it's no, it's no longer about safety, it's the mind stayed in those habits. And so some, you know, I got out of survival mode. And then the idea now is to return to those spiritual practices that got me out of that to get to the next level. But it's like, I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, you're not in survival mode anymore. Like you can chill, you know, like you don't need the practices as intensely. Like you're not in survival mode. That's, wasn't that the goal? And it's like, oh, wait, actually, let's go back to these practices because now we can use them to rise up to the next step. You don't have to do them anymore, but maybe you can be happier if you do. The thing is, though, these practices of staying awake, which takes you more out of that survival mode, is a lot of, see, a lot of us don't realize that even when we're not in survival mode, we're still kind of in survival mode. We're very much in that fight or flight state of 
being of watching the news of expecting something to go wrong. I mean, if you think about generalized anxiety, not not anxiety over like serious, serious things that may possibly come true, you know, but anxiety over like, like my thing, I'm about to go to California. I'm like, what do I do if I don't want to be around people for more than three, just things like that. It puts your body in the state of survival in this fight or flight state. And things, things that, that challenge our sense of control. Exactly. But it's like, there's, there's steps to it, right? That one, that first is when you really are in survival mode and you're really just trying to get your bills paid and you're just trying to eat and you want to just have those basic, those basic needs met. And then after that, it's like, okay, you found stability and you have a little bit more room to breathe, but you don't even realize that so much of your control issues are still operating out of a survival fight or flight reaction that you don't really need anymore. Like it's actually not helping you. You think it's helping you. You think it's what's allowing you to cultivate this really comfortable, safe life. But really it's this just creating this illusion that you need to be on pins and needles all the time in order for things to go okay. And then it's like what that next layer comes in where it's like, I am going to be awake to the perfection of the imperfection that already is. And I don't need to control all this. And in fact, I don't want to control any of this. Like I give it up. I'm just going to show up every single day, be present, do what I need to do and feed myself with so much love and so much presence that I'm going to know. And I trust and surrender that I'm going to know exactly what I need to do at every single moment. And I know I'm going to be okay. And that does take training. It takes training to to teach that old brain, that old body, that it doesn't need to be on on guard so much. Yeah, it's a zigzaggy journey. Definitely not linear. It's a zigzaggy journey of surrendering, letting go of control, then getting really comfortable. Well, for a lot of people, right, getting really comfortable, getting attached to the comfort, then the old one, <laughs> the old. Uh, temptation for control comes back, but this time with a different flavor than letting go of that. But you're not, you don't have to work as hard anymore because you're not dealing with full on survival mode, but it can still get, you know, we can get really attached that, you know, the nature of human consciousness is attachment. So whether, you know, it was attachment to survival before now, then it can shift to attachment to comfort and attachment to my comfort zone. So then it's okay. Time to surrender that again and return to the presence and return to these practices and return to surrender. It, it's a constant, it's a practice because there is no, I, I, you know, I tell my clients this all the time and I see it for myself, obviously, that there is no arriving. Like if we're not on it, if we don't kind of, you know, kind of check in with ourselves and keep it at the top of our list of intentions to be engaged with life in this way, the human operating system has a very strong tendency to go back to those instinctive drives. Yeah, I agree. There is no arriving. It's just dealing with every or or playing with every present moment that comes to you and figuring out what the best decision is of that present moment and continuing to surrender. That's why these meditation practices, like actually meditation or breath work or whatever else there is out there, they're so amazing because they they loosen you up a little bit. They loosen you up to playing with the idea that it's okay to just be here and and be present and trust, like calm your body down enough to just trust so you you can move forward. 
And I think these practices are super important because then your life becomes a meditation. Your life becomes a total meditation. And it's not this thing that you have to, you know, it's not like a daily, it's not like a goal to check off your list. It's like you you embody that energy. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I tell my clients this and I do this myself. Everything that I usually tell my clients is because I practice it myself is we're probably going to get a lot more out of returning to our breath and surrendering moment by moment than having that perfect, that one perfect Zen moment, you know, once a day or a couple times a week, just it's the constant returning and it's the constant returning to the breath and to the surrender. Like it's a little bit of what we were saying last week too, though, it's that the breath practices and all that is important, but you also got to dance with the mind and the thoughts a little bit. You got to get it from both angles. Because if you don't deal with the stories, that story making machine that we have up in our in our skull is a, is a really powerful, is a really, really powerful thing. This is why you and I need to, we need to literally come up with some kind of program that we do together yeah. where you deal with the therapy, the talk therapy, intellectualizing, analyzing, calm your stories, body down, the behavior story. changes. And then y'all come to me and I will float you to the ethers and blast you <laughs> off into stardust of love. Yeah, because I mean, if you you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but if you try floating off to the ethers when you don't have any kind of solid human level work to turn back to, can that get risky? I'll tell you something. I started breath work when I was still very much in survival mode. And I had a lot of stories and beliefs that were not entirely conducive to me. And it was being able to get into the emptiness that breathwork took me to that all of the answers came to me where I heard myself loud and clear the beliefs that I needed to change, what was actually true and what I was telling myself, the narratives that I was feeding to my brain. It took me to a place of emptiness where I heard my intuition loud and clear. And through hearing my intuition, I started knowing what was the best next step. So 1 million percent, you can start doing this stuff now. I Later, as I continued to do breath work, that's when I started to do my therapy. And did you my... start breath work before therapy? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. you were doing them both at the same exact time. No, I started breath work was really the thing that catapulted me into my power of like, oh, shit, like I'm actually way more in charge of my own reality than I thought. Whoa, it woke me up to it massively. And then when I went to therapy, she helped with certain unraveling, unraveling little traumas, unraveling certain beliefs or stories that I was telling myself in a way that really did play to my analytical mind. But it was breath work that took me, that allowed me to embody my spirit and call my spirit forward immediately. So yes, girl, let's float into the ethers now. You can float (laughs) into the ethers now. It is possible. And I actually started putting together some group breathwork sessions that I've been announcing on Instagram. And I'm so excited. We almost have three full ones. So the first two are completely full. And Dude, that's the third awesome. one. I know. I'm so excited that you guys are experiencing this. And just so you guys know, it's $25 a person. But if you can't pay it, I don't care. I still want your presence. It doesn't matter to me. The main thing for me is that you experience this magic. So if you have it, great. But if money is an obstacle, it's fine. I still want you there. And you guys are 
please, please, please join these containers. They are amazing. I'm spacing them out to every few days. The first one starts, let's see, the Thursday. This podcast airs on Monday. The first container is that Thursday. And we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep rolling. I just want to churn these breathwork things out with you guys because I'm ready for to, I'm ready just, I want to spread this. I want you guys to feel this. I want you guys to, to tap into that emptiness, to tap into your own intuition, to tap into your own power, your own love, to create your own reality, because it's possible for everyone. It's possible for everyone. And it's my absolute purpose to help everyone come back home to themselves because I, I've come back home to myself. I feel at home in my body and there is nothing more beautiful and more powerful and more, I've never felt more awake in my life, you know, and this is it. I feel like I've, I've, of course, we're always growing and we're always expanding, but when you feel this awake, there's not this, it's, it's just different. You're just here. There's not so much attention on, on much else, but just here, you're here, you're here. Like you're really, 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 really here. And I don't think a lot of us, are really, really here. Yeah. How often are you practicing breath work? I do it say? a few times a week, but I, so my, my practice morphs a little bit. I switch between meditation and breath work before meditation didn't really do much to me. It didn't do much for me. It did. And it didn't, you know, it didn't like, I still, I didn't go that deep. And then I did breath work. And then after doing breath work, then that got my meditation really deep. So I go to different ones for different things. For me, meditation is kind of like a daily maintenance of just tapping in and setting my intention for the day. And breath work is like, all right, we're ready to empty out some stuff. We're ready to- It's like a cleansing. It's like a cleansing. So they're very, I play with them both. And soon, I don't know when this is going to happen because I'm still thinking thinking of the process, but I would love to open up programs where- they, I walk people through a few breathwork sessions a week, and then there are meditations interwoven in there as well. Because I think together they both play together. They both play together really, really well. So stay tuned, you guys. Very cool. Very cool. And join us on Instagram and. Let me know that you want to be part of the container if you want to. And if you're not on Instagram, just email us at community at prettymental.com. We are join here. Join the sessions. Join the sessions. All right, Pretty Mental family. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in with us today for taking this journey. We love you guys with our whole souls. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Be kind to yourselves. Bye. Bye.